0: Celtic
1: Stuff Live. Welcome to Celtic Stuff Live on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio and video coverage for the Boston Celtics. I'm your host, Justin Poolin, and joining me now, as always, my co-host, John Duke. It was a pretty interesting week. Brad Stevens wants to tell us to hold out no more hope for Gordon Hayward returning to the floor this season or for the playoffs and then the rockets game a very entertaining saturday night matchup that went the distance for, unfortunately the celtics fell a little short john but between those two topics and al horford's recent slump i think we got our hands full for this show
0: we got a lot to talk about man yeah absolutely you know and i think i think you know the 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 positive vibes I I'm still going to ride I'm still riding positive on this man because you know what with the Celtics going the way that they're going I feel like you know look we've we've got a lot of things to be feeling good about right now there's some. I think we're, we're at the minor quibble stage, um, given where we were just a few weeks back, where things were really not looking so positive. So, look, I, I'm I'm still I'm I might be the good you know the good ship lollipop here in comparison to you. I'm not sure, but look, I think we've got. There's very little time left here before the end of this season. 18 games left for these Boston Celtics as we record here. And uh you know, look, this is there's a lot of a lot of time left to go, but I feel like this is a Celtics club that's got uh still got its best basketball head of it.
1: Yeah, very likely they do. I thought that the Rockets game really was a testament to what they have in the tank when they really want to apply themselves. Um, You look at Marcus Morris, who probably had his best game in the Celtics uniform on Saturday night, really just hitting shots, taking the offense on his shoulders. Look at somebody like Terry Rozier, who continues to play big in certain matchups. He played well in the last game against the Houston Rockets. He came up huge again, hitting big shot after big shot. And I think that's where Brad Stevens down the stretch really struggled is you had a player like Greg Monroe, which when he wasn't on the floor, second chance opportunities were coming to the Rockets with ease. I think that was getting under my skin. And I wasn't sure if Greg Monroe was going to end up being a player that was going to contribute a ton. But remember last season and the season before, and actually quite a few times during the KG era, we would pull our hair out over second chance opportunities, and literally, Greg gets out on the floor and completely stopped the bleeding, and when he went back to the bench, we started bleeding again in that area. So I know the defense is a little sometimes missing, but if you're going to give a team that can shoot the way that the Rockets do, or for that matter, Golden State, or many others, when you're going to give them the ball back to three times on a possession it really doesn't matter if you play great defense because you've got to do it four times before you get a chance to score
0: and you know to that point you know greg greg Monroe he tied for the you know and and in 19 minutes and Aaron Baines in 12 minutes they had the same defensive rating which was the best on the team of 120 they were they were the best defensive players in this in this game for the Celtics Um, and that's that's saying something, given where what we know of Greg Monroe and where he's been. I feel like Daniel Tice might have been able to provide quite a bit out there, but you know, with the Houston Rockets, who's going to kill you in the post? I suppose Danae is a guy who can be there and be a real problem for you. And I think could you know, he look more
1: out of control though? Doesn't he just look he like he's flying Terrible. elbows and it's just a mess? Yeah.
0: He had a, he had a really tough tough day there. I thought. I mean, he he had eight points, you know, five boards, but it was not the Nene that that uh, I thought was we were going to see, which was going to probably have you know fifteen points and you know six you know eight boards or something. You know, really making making um, you know Monroe work. But Monroe was everywhere. He was making passes. He's that great pass from the top of the key, kind of you know straight down the line. I mean, that was awesome stuff. And I think people were. Uh, way too early to criticize Greg Monroe that he did everything he needed to do in that game to put them uh, in a good position to win. Unfortunately, the, the team's best players weren't in that same spot, you know, but, you know, look, Chris Paul only had 15 and seven, you know, I, and, you know, they, he didn't shine like the, uh, we thought they would only 26 and 10 and seven from James Harden, which is, I say only because, you know, it's below average in, in, for him. Um, You know those those aren't you know standout numbers. It's the 29 points from Eric Gordon that really kind of hurts you. So you know, look, there was a little bit of up is down, left is right, but I thought you know overall, I thought there's more to take from that game that from as a positive than than, as a negative. You feel like guys like Al Horford and Kyrie Irving aren't going to do that not you know every night or every other night or most nights. But I thought that was a good thing.
1: Yeah, I thought it was a good thing. It was really a testament to the ball movement that was going on out there as well. They were able to share. Kyrie Kyrie still drew attention, which is important that he is drawing that attention. But for as much as Gordon was going off, so was Marcus Morris. We were getting offense from other places. Probably the best high-low game we've seen all year as well. And again, Greg Monroe brings something to this team that they don't have. He's a highly efficient defensive rebounder. And again, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna hammer that point home, but that's a big point to make. But then secondarily, his ability to generate offense in the post. I mean, even Baines has really been cold and it wasn't something where he had his back to the basket and was laying it in all season long, but he had that mid-range game that very much has tailed off. Daniel Tice. He's moved out to the three-point line and been very effective. But when you really talk about being able to just feed the post, that's going to be so beneficial to players like Kyrie Irving over the duration and into the playoffs because, at the most part, we're just shooting from the outside. I want to talk about one other thing, though. I can... I think I think it's time to get excited about Monroe, and I don't think this train's going to stop. I think he's going to continue to provide more. The problem was guys like Morris and Rozier had played so well, and so had Marcus Smart up until the, I want to call it a knee injury, although I'm not even sure anything happened. I feel like it might have just been muscle spasms or something, because they said there was knee-to-knee contact, but you watch that replay, and... Really, nothing's there. But it's hard for Brad to pull players off the floor. And even though Horford's been struggling, we'll get to this in a minute, even though Horford's been struggling, it's hard for him to pull off his best big man potential defensive player of the year. So if you're going to leave Monroe out there, you're going to have to probably pull a player like Smart. And they'd already shied away from Brown and Tatum in those minutes. So I, I get the constraint. That Brad was under. I'm still going to give him some criticism because I just think if you're going to leave somebody like Morris out there, you probably should leave somebody like Monroe out there. Before we get to that, I want to talk about the officials. And I just want to say you mentioned Chris Paul, but part of the reason Chris Paul was kept in check was because he wasn't on the floor due to foul trouble, as was Jalen Brown. And in that respect, a couple, and I think this one went both ways, but from that, from that vantage point, I feel like they robbed the, they robbed the fans of being able to see the best product out on the floor because, obviously, Chris Paul is going to hurt us if he had to play more extended minutes or if he could play more extended minutes. But then you look at a player like Jalen Brown. He was very exciting in this game to watch. Had some very early success, him and Tatum basically scoring something like 10 of the first 12 points or something ridiculous. And then all of a sudden, Brown can't stay on the floor because of foul trouble, and a couple of them were pretty mysterious calls.
0: Uh, Ed Malloy is the reason for a lot of, of the ills of that game. He is unquestionably one of the worst officials in the NBA, and yet he keeps getting these plum assignments. I am I am no fan of Ed Malloy. Uh, he is you know there's a lot of guys who we've complained about for years and years. Bennett Salvatore, Joey Crawford, you know the list goes on and on. Ed Malloy is at the top or near the top of the list that of, of the worst officials in the NBA. And he was the, he was the crew chief of last night's game. And he made, he allowed what happened last night to occur. And I don't think anybody was happy with the officiating. I mean, look, it, it the game probably rested on a, a loose ball that Al Horford comes up with in the paint and, and Brad Stevens yelling, timeout, timeout, timeout. And, with the official literally three feet away from him, no call. And I know that's a tough call. They're focused on the action. Everyone's yelling around them. But, look, if they get that ball and, and the Celtics retain possession, I, I like their chances of pulling it out you know and that's it's it's things like it's it could be one play but there were a lot of plays in that game just as you said the foul trouble on both sides it just it really takes so much out of the game and um you know look i know it's it's a hard job to officiate nba basketball but man um You know, we've done all we can to make these Saturday night games be this pinnacle of the sport. And everyone wants to tune in Saturday night to see the game. And we're going to move the schedule around and we're going to give everyone rest and we're going to do all these things. And then what do you do? You get officials out there that can't call a game. It's it's really a shame. And and it's unfortunate for not only the players, but but for those of us watching at home, who want to see a good game against two teams that were really putting on an entertaining show for everybody.
1: Alright, just a reminder, you can follow Celtic Stuff Live on Twitter, at CSL underscore Tweet Live, as well as your host, you can follow me. At CSL underscore Justin, John is at CSL underscore Duke. The entire CLNS Media network at CLNS Media. The Facebook page, facebook.com slash CLNS fans. And don't forget to download the CLNS Media app for iOS and Android. Simply search CLNS Media in your app marketplace. And finally, the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash CLNS Media for high definition, full length locker room interviews and the garden report. With Nick Gelso and Josue Pavon, everybody, Trags. Got a whole group, Jimmy, Jimmy, uh, what do we call him? Jimmy Big Time?
0: Uh, Jimmy Good Times, that's right. Jimmy, Jimmy Good Times
1: Toscano. Oh, God, I love that. So um, I, I'm with you on the officiating. I think the thing that was frustrating was the inconsistency of it. I felt like a lot of contact was allowed in that game. So if you're going to allow a lot of contact, Guys like Chris Paul and Jalen Brown shouldn't be sitting on the bench. They should be on prime time, just as you said.
0: Yeah, and look, this is this is what it's all about, man. I mean, this is a potential finals preview right here. I mean, you don't think the league is giddy at the idea of, you know, maybe it's not LeBron and Steph, but it's entertaining basketball with potentially the MVP of the league and an upstart, a new up-and-coming team playing in the Boston market. That's ratings gold right there, and I think that knowing would be really that somebody good. like
1: Hayward may be coming back and for a rematch in that matchup <laughs> the next season, four legitimate style contenders. You know, I, who knows what's going to happen with Cleveland, but I'd say you know the Rockets and Golden State are intact for the next couple of years, and so well pretty close to intact anyway for the next couple of years. But who knows what happens with Cleveland? But absolutely, dude, that's. I think having multiple contenders is, I won't call it parody, but it is the kind of parody that the league needs to see. And with Chris Paul going to Houston, and you look at that record, I think Houston's going to be able to give Golden State a run for their money. And you look at Boston, obviously it would be great to have Gordon Hayward, but I still think that they may be able to give Cleveland a run for their money this year, even with LeBron being his best. And don't forget the Toronto Raptors who are leading the league right now. So... I don't know that I put the Raptors into contention. I know they're sitting there, but we've just seen them. Until they really get over that hump in the postseason, I, I can't I can't quite put them up there. I can't even really put the Celtics there yet, but I know that a game, a finals, seven-game series between the Celtics and the Rockets based on the two games that they played this season would be thoroughly entertaining and make the NBA a hell of a lot of
0: money. Yeah, totally, totally. And I, you know, the... I think that that's, that's what the, that the NBA should be hoping for. A little bit of parody, a little bit of, uh, excitement. Yes, every people, everyone wants to see LeBron, but the ratings were, are not going to be great. They, there is, there is a fatigue of Golden State Cleveland and everyone wants to see great teams, but they want to see something that's new and exciting. And does anyone think this is Cleveland's best shot at giving Golden State a run? I don't. I mean, right now, Cleveland's lost their last two. There's six and four of their last ten. Um, they're not the same Cleveland team that beat the brains out of the Boston Celtics on Paul Pierce night. This is – Cleveland has now settled into what they are, which is some good players who can do some things, but – the parts aren't necessarily going to fit well. And I think everyone who went out on a limb to say, Oh, well, Cleveland's going back to the Eastern conference final, or I should say to the finals, they're getting through the East. I'm not so, I don't know why people were so sure about that for two games. This, there was a lot of time left to go here and, right now Cleveland has not made that rocketing move through the standings. They're going to be the three seed, maybe the four seed if Washington keeps going. I mean, they had played better of late, but now they've lost two in a row. I think this is a Boston-Toronto thing for one and two. The Celtics are only a game and a half back, although admittedly Toronto has three more games to play than Boston does the rest of the way. But Boston's got two more games against the the Raptors. And assuming you don't have Marcus Smart out for another month and you're able to play relative. Relatively healthy. Again, the Celtics stand a good chance to give Cleveland that, or I should say Toronto, that push that we've been expecting them to give them. Uh and and I think play a lot more like the Boston Toronto game that we saw earlier in the year than the one we saw back in Toronto a few weeks back.
1: Okay, so in the second half of the show, we obviously have to talk about Hayward. I also want to talk about Isaiah and the Lakers because They've been on a hot streak, but we'll hit that in the second half of the show. I want to close out the first half of the show and just ask you, you saw me on Twitter, you know I have some criticism for Brad. Now, admittedly, I just said that I understand it's some difficult decisions, but I'm not necessarily saying that Al Horford has to sit on the bench, and I know that would be a very difficult move for Brad to make, (laughs) but don't you think Greg Monroe should have been out there?
0: Against the Cleveland Cavaliers, I should say against the Houston Rockets. No, no, I you got to pick and choose. You got one big to play, and you know who is he gonna? Who are you gonna put him on? You got to put him on PJ Tucker. You know you're gonna put him on. I I, I mean, that's Capella's might be out there. I mean. They they go small, you know, and who's good, Greg Monroe going to guard out there? I guess you could guard Capella, but then you want Horford, you know, 25 feet from the basket. It kind of limits what you can do. And I do I want think- Horford 25
1: feet from the basket. That's exactly my point. If you can't put Horford on the bench, then, you know, you've got to have Horford do what Horford does well. Is he going to get beat? Yeah, he might get beat. But then what you really want is you want – you want to keep them shooting from the outside. You want to be able to contest shots and you want to gather the rebounds. Again, this is, this is my thing with this. I understand that, you know, the whole small lineup and matching up, but then you're matching what the other team does instead of dictating to that team what you do well. And one of the things that was going really well for this club was Greg Monroe. And Marcus Morris got to hang around in that game for quite a long time, too. Now, I'm not saying he didn't deserve it. He did, but he deserved it just as much as Monroe did. So with with Tatum sort of not really in position and Jalen having difficulty, you know, staying, staying on the floor, I mean, knowing how that went, why not Kyrie, Smart, Morris, Horford, and then Monroe? Do you really think they would have struggled that much because... They had a lead. All they had to do was make sure that they had the ball.
0: Yeah, but I I think that that's I think you with against a team like Houston. I mean, I think it's I think it's oversimplified I think to suggest that that you can simply put put Horford out there because it's your best lineup. I think it sounds good, but I think in practicality, I don't think you want him chasing a guy like PJ Tucker around that park. You know, I just don't, I don't, Horford is a good player, but, but you're, you're, you know, when you do that, it takes away what you can do offensively. It takes away your speed, your size, your switchability. And that's what the Celtics have. They have that ability. I mean, effectively you're saying, you know, I think what you're saying is Mook or more or Mook or Monroe. And I think. With the way Mook was playing, there's no question you got to play Mook Morris out there. I mean, he was probably their he was their best offensive player in terms of uh you know his shooting touch. Did
1: leave leave Horford on the on the bench in that? Would that? I mean, if that's if Monroe's <sighs> having a better game, and again, I I understand this is what I'll say. I understand that Horford's not at fault for corralling the the loose ball, rebound, so to speak, and then not getting the timeout. I mean, that that's back on the officials. Like They have to understand the circumstances in the game, and, and they have to exactly. be paying attention and expecting that and anticipating it. But let's throw that one out. I'm not going to hold that one. That's not the one that made me frustrated. It was the complete lack of ability in the offense of Horford. I mean, he was atrocious out there. He took a couple of shots, and none of them looked good. And that's when the game was on the line. And so, again, if he's not contributing offensively and he's struggling to that degree, and it was happening earlier in the game, and it's happening over the last several games since the All-Star break, why not just stick with Monroe then in that case? Do you think it would have been the end of the world? If they had benched Horford, do you think that that would have been something that Brad Stevens couldn't have explained to the team? Do you think he can't bench his starters? Because this is my whole thing with Brad. He's a team guy, right? And so maybe this is his way of giving Al that vote of confidence and not getting in his head and all of that. But part of me is like, hey, you know what? Everybody has a, a part to play. Nobody's bigger than the team. Nobody preaches that more than Brad Stevens. Shouldn't he just say, look, Monroe is the hot the hand we're going to ride here. He rode that bench unit deep into the fourth quarter. He had no problems keeping Brown and Tatum on the bench.
0: Well, Brown and Tatum is different than Al Horford. I mean, that's, I, I think. Not I, in this game. That's my point. Sure Not is. In this game. Yeah, it, it does. In the team. In the team construct. Al Horford is the dad, man. Dad doesn't sit so the kids can play. Dad runs the show, man. Dad's at the wheel. Mom's there navigating, but dad's at the wheel. Like, you can't have Al Horford outside of that. Al Horford is a key piece here. I, 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 don't, I don't see any way that if they take him off the floor unless they absolutely needed to go as small as possible. If they had to get like you know five guards out there, so, then I, so it would be
1: okay to do it to go as small as possible, but it's not okay to do it to get big when that's exactly what they needed most of this game.
0: I don't think at the end of the game against the against the Houston Rockets, that's what would have worked I think I think Monroe worked when he played because he was effective in against those lineups, but I don't think that the Celtics. In a closing lineup, that works as well. We'll see. Maybe, maybe we'll see this I don't week. Know, dude. He He'll was, go a different route. But I don't think he was a he black hole. That
1: if he was a black hole in this game, I'd agree with you. If he didn't pass and he hadn't shown that passing ability, but the truth is, is he was part of the reason the ball moved around. Think about how much spacing there is when you can feed the post and then he's a willing passer back out of the post and even coming into the high post. It, it, if he had one of the top defensive ratings in that game and you could look at all the reasons why and literally see it with your eyes, not have to go to the statistics to discover why or, or know that that was the case. Why not in that, in that scenario, let him stay out there until it looks like the rockets have made the adjustment and gone small and it's not working for you anymore that that's my only thing i get no, no. it i know it's conventional wisdom the reason brad did what he did i just feel like if that's what it what might have won the game i'm not sure why we didn't do it because the minute he came off the floor john and you know this there were so many new second and third chance opportunities what about that rozier pulls down the rebound now, yes, granted, Rozier should have just covered up the ball and waited for them to get back <laughs> right. on D and all of that. But but my yeah. point is this. You know, several times they were given two, three extra opportunities to score. And that's just as bad as, you know, not going small and trying to defend them.
0: Okay. Well, I mean, look, yeah, you're right. I mean, having the ability to have, uh, you know, Al Horford out there and and – Having him to, to not having him out there and having Monroe out there securing extra rebound attempts would have been would have been better. But who's going to space the floor, right? Who's going to are, are you going to no, be able to get point. those driving I think lanes Monroe for Kyrie? Did Irving? space
1: the floor? You, that was exactly my point.
0: To 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 where to the to the free throw line? Is that enough room when Kyrie Irving needs a lane to get to the basket, or or Rozier needs a lane to the basket? Is that enough room? Board Al Horford switchability three point shooting. Um, I, I think mean, people I don't know. get it really hung up.
1: Here's the thing: I think people get hung up on the definition of spacing the floor, meaning only shooting. And and I think what we saw from Monroe with his passing is spacing the floor. Think about how this offense gets at the end of games. They stop swinging the ball side to side. They go into ISO, and it's Kyrie Irving shooting a three or, to your point, trying to get into the lane, and he wasn't even having a great night. The only reason you got to keep him out there is offensively he draws the defense and is a threat no matter what because they think he's going to make a shot. I don't think Al Horford draws the defense the same way that Kyrie Irving does, but if Monroe is out there and he is helping move that ball and they're playing unselfishly and they know they got Mook, and I agree, Mook doesn't come off the floor, and Mook has been hitting big shot after big shot after big shot, and they, the, they meaning the Rockets, realize that the Celtics have multiple threats out there to go inside, to come outside and have the big man pass, to swing it left to the right, and maybe even catch Irving. I mean, they could they can still put Irving, stack him on one side in ISO, and then they could feed the middle, kick it back around, and come back to Irving after the defense is adjusted and maybe actually open up a hole for him to drive. And and that's, I mean, it was unfortunate he had that one lay in that didn't drop and it just rested on the front of the rim. Because I think if that had fallen, I know it's just, you know, what ifs, but if that had fallen, I think this team would have walked away with a win. But I still feel like people get into this, get it into their head that spacing the floor is simply just being able to shoot from outside.
0: I think, I I think it creates the space that, that allows other things to happen. I think. Passing is about movement, and you need both in offense. You need spacing and you need movement. I mean, that's you, you can't having one is good. Having both is great, and and I think that that's there isn't there isn't one that's over the, over the other. But there's no there's no passing lanes if if there's no room to – if there's no spacing. You know there's no <laughs> if the ball doesn't move that's great, but you basically are creating an iso situation. So I don't. I understand what you're saying and that his his role in the offense effectively is so is so super so supercharged in that one in that game that you know does not that not create a different um construct by which Brad Stevens has to build his team? And I just say almost two years of having Al Horford at the helm of this team, I think says, Yeah, in one game you're right. He's he's good, but I don't think that that supersedes what Al Horford has done here and what he seems to be able to continue to do. And I think, you know, just like Kyrie Irving could be one for 15, and I would trust him to take that shot at the end of the game, I trust Al Horford to make the right play at the right time, especially in the closing part of a game, as opposed to Greg Monroe, who's been here two weeks, and, you know, he knows where the bathroom is now, but I'm not sure, you know, he knows the best routes to get to the practice facility yet.
1: Well, I'll tell you what, this is going to be one to watch because I think Monroe's only heating up. I think you're, I think everybody is going to be pleasantly surprised and he's going to be pushing his way into the lineups. We'll see. We'll see. But I I know we're, we're hit the midpoint. So listen up, Hoops fans, basketball season. The trade deadline is behind us. Right around the corner is the playoffs and your favorite hardwood heroes are banging away. For position in the postseason. So it's time for you to put your fantasy knowledge to the test before the season ends, and you could win huge cash prizes every night playing one day fantasy basketball at DraftKings.com. At DraftKings, there are so many ways to play, choose from public contests with huge cash prizes or private contests where you can compete against your friends they've even got beginner and casual contests where you'll play against people of a similar skill level the best part you get to draft a new team each and every day and drafting is arguably the best part of fantasy the only thing that's better is winning cash doing it just ask dan from st louis or jeremy from austin they both turned a three dollar entry into a thousand bucks Huge cash prizes and bragging rights await only at DraftKings. And right now, you can use the code CLNS at DraftKings.com free with your first deposit for your share of $10,000 in total cash prizes tonight. So don't wait. Use code CLNS at DraftKings.com. Now, to choose your lineup, cash in tonight. That's CLNS only at DraftKings.com. The game inside the game. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com. For details all right john so we've got to talk about the lakers and we've got to talk about hayward take your pick
0: hayward all day hayward man that that matters that that matters that that's hugely important and you and i are right there at the top of the list of insane hayward backers so uh, i think we need to stake that territory right here right now
1: oh well we did because it's called an island and there's a whole lot yes. of water around it. And we're, yes. the, we're the two people with the one palm tree and uh, a boat with no oars and a leak in it. And yes. we're going to be sticking around here for a while. So I'll tell you this. There's a lot of good commentary on Twitter about this. Some people uh, citing to me Paul George and how long it, he dunked, I guess, in January but it was still several months before he was even able to participate fully in practice and get back out on the floor. I do think that the injury is different. I think every injury is different, unless it's the same injury. But everybody's rehab is, is going to vary greatly. Do I think that the timetable is tight? Yes, but I always did. I felt like if you would practice by the end of March, and we are getting a little close... Too close to call for that, quite likely, John. I mean, only 60%, but that's a week old, so who knows what he's doing now. I know Brad Stevens said he's shut down. There's no way he's coming back, but I still got to think, and even Steve Bolpet has been thinking, if you listen to Celtic Speed on Friday, that this is a guy who could return this season. Do I think he'll be a 100% in terms of conditioning? No, I do not. Do I think he'll be worth 12 to 15 minutes off the bench, even if he's not in prime conditioning? Absolutely, I do. And he can hit the, he can hit those shots. So the question mark really for him is going to be a lot more about defense and lateral motion. But I think if he can practice by the end of this month, there's a good chance we see him get a little bit of a run in the postseason. I still feel that way, even though Brad Stevens wants us to, uh, basically shut this conversation off.
0: I yes, yes, exactly. I think this is Brad this is dad Brad stuff is what this is. This is this is Brad saying, Let's ease up on our expectations of this. He has always been, he has far and away been the most um conservative of voices when it came to Hayward's recovery and his timetable. He has been the most ardent to say no, he's not He's not returning. This isn't happening. And then other people say other things, whether it's Hayward, whether it's Ainge, whether it's, you know, whoever. And so that's why I'm like, look, I mean, I appreciate Brad's support uh, of Hayward in this. And I think, yeah, he should minimize and tamp down expectations. We saw, you know, stuff that that went the other way. And I should also be clear. I don't know about you, but I feel like if he doesn't return, I'm not going to be disappointed. I'm not going to be disappointed because look, I wish that would have happened, but look, that that's it recurring from injury. There's nothing guaranteed. There is no, you know, this is going to happen. But I do think he will come back and I do think it will happen. Maybe the timetable is later, maybe it's more closer to during the playoffs, but if we're looking at a long playoff run, Again, it's a month from from now is the is the end of March. Okay, so we still have four weeks here to get up to speed and where he's actually back to running on, um, you know, him on you know, hundred percent. You know, now is he running? Is, when is he jumping and cutting and moving? That's another that's another benchmark, and then, of course, actually playing the game. so there's a number of benchmarks here that have to happen, but as you said, the sixty num- percent number is an old number. We don't know where he is now, okay So assuming that he's progressed in some way on that alter G, you know from what was it before the all- star break to now, which has been almost three weeks, you would think he would have worked his way up from sixty percent to somewhere closer to to 90 to a hundred. If so, then he's got to be somewhere nearer to where he's, he's running and jumping and on an elliptical and doing those things. So, you know, look, we have six weeks now between now and the end of the regular season. That's a long time. You know, that's, that's a fair percentage of the time See, of his recovery. That, and it could happen.
1: This. He's been walking yeah. around unabated for a while, right? And exactly. So- I think this is about strengthening the muscles around the ankle. I don't think that it's simply he can't run. or And I'm sure there's pain associated, believe me. In any rehab, I'm sure there's a lot of pain and he can only take on so much at once. But to your point, he's already walking around. I think the alter G is just about letting those muscles and those ligaments and everything kind of get strengthened back into place. If he is back, even if he's still at 60%, I'm still okay with that. I don't think that's detrimental. I just think they don't need a lot of impact to build the muscles. It's the motion difference between walking and running that's going to have the impact it's not about carrying the weight at this point i don't think structurally i think it's about just building up the strength so that it's less likely that he'll twist it um, i'm not even sure that a break at this point or a rebreak is that much of a concern it could be i'm not a doctor uh obviously in full game action if he came and landed on it funny it's weak so it's less it's more likely to pop out or break again sure but but i think in just stationary running i don't even think the amount of weight that they're putting on the leg has anything to do with it cuz i think their only goal is to strengthen the muscles and if that's the case it's not really about how much weight he's putting on the ankle it's the fact that it's unnecessary for them to put more weight on the ankle that's my wait, theory
0: wait okay well i yeah but i mean you, you've got to think he's got to be able to run at 100% hundred percent of his body weight right i mean that's that's the point of the alter g right it's just yeah but to, I, think to on that, I, I think it's slowly increase that
1: i think it's about strengthening the muscles i i think yes obviously they want to get to 100 percent on the running i'm just saying i just don't think that based on the time frame that they are I, worried yeah. about whether or not he can handle 100 percent. it's yeah. unnecessary to put the other 40 percent on there because they're just trying to build the muscle Then when they have muscle built back up and, you know, he's got to be getting stretching because those muscles haven't been used in a long time, so they probably get contracted. You know, I just think that – I think he probably could run it 100%. It's just unnecessary to do it.
0: Right. Well, and, and clearly he's doing other things. It's not like okay, he's not doing anything else until that number on the ultra G. Okay, when he gets to a hundred, then he can do everything else. Clearly, that's not the case. Clearly, he's doing a lot of other things, even on court work. You know, now is he is he jumping and moving and cutting? And no, I don't think that's happening right now. But, but to me, that's but about I,
1: building muscle strength, not about the yeah. ankle's ability to maintain the impact, take the impact, or the weight. That's
0: exactly my point. Yeah, that seems fair. Absolutely.
1: I I get you there. It's just they know it's going to take, let's say it's this way, right? I'll say it another way. They know it's going to take eight weeks for those muscles to build up strength, so why Mm -hmm. put on extra weight when it's not even part of what needs to happen for those muscles to get to a baseline where he can take on 100%. See, I think that 60% thing, is kind of misleading in terms of how people perceive his ability to hit the floor. That's why I'm still optimistic. But we'll see. We'll see. All right. Well, we have well go ahead.
0: Go ahead No 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 go ahead. I, I just was just to say I think you're right. I think that he's closer than people are saying and I think that three twenty three I think three twenty three might be practice return date, but I don't think it's gonna be uh much after that. He's gonna be he's gonna be a visible member of this team by the end of this month. Come I'm with back. you dude. I'm with you, dude. We'll
1: see. You and I are uh wearing the green colored glasses the right now. We're on the island of green colored shades. <laughs> uh all right, so we have like five minutes left in the show. Uh, I want to just quickly say that the Lakers are totally spoiling my draft party because we may have to wait another year and collect that Sacramento pick. They're 7-3 in their last 10. They've won five straight. And to just pour a little salt in that wound, Isaiah Thomas is, yeah, high volume, low percentage, still a little bit on most nights. But he's definitely contributing and scoring 20-plus points off the bench. And then you've got to see – uh Mr. Lonzo Ball getting close to triple doubles and uh I'm not happy
0: about it. There's six and a half games back from the eighth seed in the Western Conference playoffs. <laughs> and they have uh let's see, Yeah, yeah, they've got uh about twenty games left to play. And they got twenty games left to play and there's and they're six and a half games back. It's unlikely because obviously Denver right now is thirty five and twenty eight as the eighth seed. Um, you know, the Clippers are a game back of that Utah game back behind that. But it's you know, it you're right. It's it's un it's unfortunate. The other thing I'd say is remember this is a lottery. <laughs> So you know and the Cavs were what tenth when, when they won the lottery there uh, the year that Anthony Bennett was was chosen something like that. Um, the thing is, so, is they can't oh no, no, win it. it was the Wiggins. It was they, the Wiggins. They have to it just the they Wiggins have
1: team. to just barely win it, but not quite win it. You know what yes, I mean? They, the they can't win it, and they can only right. really jump up a couple. You know what I mean? The, the, for that for that they're yeah they're you wanted them in that like four five three four five slot at the end of the season and yes you're right it could still convey but the odds of it conveying are dropping dramatically right now
0: yes absolutely and and that's you know that's all right but but chin up here sacramento is 19 and 44 they're only a game back of the worst record um so and there does not appear to be any um big thing that will break Positively for Sacramento in the next eighteen months. So unless they get an absolute dynamite, now nah, it's just about the quality them, in this draft. That's it's,
1: it. It's really about the quality it in is. this draft. And now maybe we could trade up in this draft and spin off a couple of pieces. But I just don't see Danny doing that. He'll just wait till next year. Um, yep. Let's do this. Good then players with, next
0: year too, but not not quite the depth or the players at the positions we want.
1: Right. Exactly. This was. This was a, a draft made for the constructs of the Boston Celtics. Unless, of course, they trade for somebody like Anthony Davis. We'll save that for another show. We'll save March Madness for next week. I want to quickly make our predictions for the games coming up. They get quite a bit of time off in between games. Two two days off. Well, they have Monday off. I mean, they have Sunday off. So that was yesterday. Tonight they play the Bulls. Then they have two days off. Then they play the Timberwolves. Then they have two days off. And next Sunday night, they play a late game on Sunday, which actually has me encouraged. Uh, game time start is 7.30 against the Pacers. And you would think that this would be a 3-0 and week, John, so I'm just going to go ahead and lay it right down there. Except, except those T-Wolves are actually a pretty good team. But thankfully to an injury to Butler, I think they still get it done. 3-0. and
0: 3-0. Yeah. I, and I'd, I'd add Indiana is a pretty spunky group. Um, only a Terry Rozier Played uh, shot at yeah. the buzzer. That's right. Yeah, pulled that one out. But um, I, I'm also going to go three and zero. Look, it's I think that Minnesota on the road. Um, They'll be, they'll be a tough, that'll be a tough out. Uh, Carly Anthony Towns, uh, had a really strong game back in Boston, uh, back in in the early part of the winter or late fall. Uh, so, you know, they're gonna have their own hands full with, with Towns, but, I feel like the Celtics are going to have a, a good week here. We'll get get three and zero under their belt and uh, kind of brush off what's going on. The main thing is we got to get Al Horford back going. Got to get that Al Horford back on the line, and uh, hopefully, you know, some games here against Chicago and Minneapolis, or in in Minneapolis against the T Wolves, will really help them out.
1: Yeah. Well, as we wrap, the one thing I will also caution everybody is added time off for this team. Not always a good thing, at least not historically. So two days off in between games over the course of the week. Hopefully that means lots of practice time for Greg Monroe and Al Horford, and they get the ship righted. They but But I will say, when I say they get the ship righted, They've been playing really well as of late. Even that game against Houston was a very encouraging game for their performance. The bench's ability, which has been a constant complaint for you and I, John. So I will say there's lots to be encouraged about. But I think a little more practice time to uh, kind of get everybody smoothed out a little bit would definitely help. But that's going to do it for this week's show. As a reminder, you can support Celtic Stuff Live all. Oh, that's right. That's uh, right. You can follow, or actually, I should say, the broadcast will be available on demand on the CLNS Media mobile app. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter. I'm at CSL underscore Justin. John is at CSL underscore Duke. A heartfelt thank you to everybody for tuning in. This is the part where I remind you you can help support the show by subscribing to Celtic Stuff Live on iTunes and Stitcher. We'd love it if you gave us a rating and a review because your feedback is important to the show. And for staff writer Samuel Elias, executive producer Larry H. Russell. The founder of CLNS Media, Nick Gelso, and for my co host, John Duke, I'm Justin Pool, and thank you for listening to this week's edition of Celtic Stuff Live.
0: Celtic Stuff Live.